Crime Curious is a true crime podcast that takes an in-depth look into real cases. The content may be triggering or inappropriate for some audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Crime Curious. I'm your host, Sharnell Lennox. And with me, as always, is Judge Megan. Hello. Good afternoon. How are you today? I am well. We get to record outside. Tell your listeners, this is fantastic. This is fantastic. Even though, so podcast studio flooded again, as it does every once in a while. So we are out on my screened porch, and you're going to get a pretty horrific case, but with the sounds of nature behind it. Yeah, I love it. So it's like the white noise machine. It is. Yes, You're having a nightmare, and then all of a sudden you hear some birds chirp. Some crickets. We also have a tree frog that lives approximately to your, I don't know, three o'clock or so. Great. So we may hear him too. So I don't know how clocks work where you are, (laughs) but to my left, that would be my nine (laughs) o'clock. Is it? (laughs) Yep. Sorry. Clocks are hard. You Especially get, flipped around. Yeah. You're sitting across from me. I mean, we live in a, in a digital age here, and you <laughs> can just look at your phone and see 141. So the fact that you had to use a regular clock for that, it was a good try. Three, nine. They're right across from one another. They it's are. fine. They are directly across from each other. God. Just look at the little and the big hands. <sighs> and we have a beer today we instead do. of wine. I'm off to a strong start. Yeah, it's, it's football Sunday. It is. So we have that. We do. I have and my water. I accidentally took a drink of that and was sad. I meant to drink <laughs> the beer next to it. Yeah, don't make that mistake again. Mm-mm. You're actually, as we get into this case, you're going to want to drink the beer. So oh, good. So we have our lucky kangaroo scrotum filled with our tiny lucky crystal penises. Give her a shake. Give her a shake. Everybody hear that? We feel the good juju. Jeez, you look like a natural there. <laughs> <laughs> Not my first time shaking a sack. All right. Well, I'll give it a little shake. I hate to come off as an amateur here, but <laughs> am I doing okay? <laughs> I wish we were on video right now. Everyone oh, bring it. hysterical. Right. Here yep. we go. I'm, you're it's all on the wrist, guys. It's all on the wrist. Shaking it too well to where oh, I'm. Here, I'm, well, let me. I'm afraid. I'm smack it a couple times <laughs> to hand it back to you. Well, we're off to a great start. Let's dive in. The case today, if you guys remember just a few episodes ago, I did a long, deep dive into Stephen Smith. It was a great case. Yes. He was a survivor of Aston Hall. And I am bringing us another case. And actually, this one, this case is what inspired Stephen to write his own story. So I felt like if I was going to tell Stephen's story on the podcast, I have to tell Barbara's as well. So this is the story of Barbara O'Hare. She's a brave survivor of childhood neglect and the abuse that was inflicted on on many children, actually, at the hands of Dr. Kenneth Milner at Aston Hall. And her book, Buy It, You Guys, it is very compelling. I do not include all the information from the books so that people can go out and buy them and get more of the meat and potatoes. But this one, this is a 25-page a deep dive so we are breaking it into two parts I did include all of the the nitty-gritty so that you can get a picture if you're not an avid reader of Barbara's story but her book is called The Hospital and How I Survived the Secret Experiments at Aston Hall written by Barbara O'Hare herself so great that there's a couple of people who have described their experiences this is intriguing to me because we have at least two now survivors who have, have written stories. Are there more? Did you find more survivor stories? There are 
plenty more. I'll just throw it out here right now. I was going to save it for the end of part two, but as we're just jumping into this. If you are a survivor of Aston Hall, bring me your story. If you haven't written a book, but you want your story told, whether with your real name or a fake name, we can do that. We will make sure to get all Aston Hall stories out there as many as we can so that the world knows. And the reason that I say that is because as of Stephen Smith's book, when it was released, they still had not received the compensation that they had been promised. Now, was it promised or was it ordered? Well, I do believe that it is ordered. This has went to inquiry, as they call it. So it has been investigated. But there are other people out there who haven't come forward. So, I mean, I mean, once you really look at the years, how many years, especially Dr. Milner was involved, and I will say that say it, it's in my notes um, in this case, you know there's got to be hundreds, if not thousands, of victims. Oh, absolutely. And some of them maybe are no longer with us. That's very possible as well. First of all, we know that children died at Aston Hall as a result of his experiments, but also just living their life, you know, through age and whatnot. So... And not everybody wants their story told. They They deal with it in their own way. Yep. But these two people in particular, so I'm really excited to hear this one today, merits a deep dive. Those survivor stories always merit a deep dive, in my opinion. Yes, we're not going to just gloss over details. That's for sure. So to start this case off, you know that I'm going to give you as much background information as I can on Barbara. I don't know her date of birth. She didn't disclose it in her book. I also don't know her father's name because it wasn't disclosed in the book. I used other references, as you'll see in our, our show notes here. But I felt like if I stumbled upon information that was not in her book, I was not going to include it. She very obviously did not want her father's name out published and out there because it was not included in the book, whether that's for legalities. I don't know, but I'm going to Mental respect health that. reasons. Yep, I'm going to respect it. So I don't know exactly her birthday, but we do know that when she was 11 months old, her mom left. So she was left with her father. At least this is the story that her father tells her that her mom was a gypsy, an Irish gypsy with red hair, and that she picked up all of her best possessions and trinkets, all her best porcelain that she had, and left the home and left Barbara on the floor like a rag doll. What a nice thing to be told as a child. Well, she has no way to verify, right? Dad told her this, so she assumes it must be the truth. Absolutely. I mean, she's a child at this point in time, and that's what she's being told. And uh, his nickname for her was Tinker because this was a derogatory term that okay. was used at the time. Very derogatory. It's made to make her feel bad about who she's who she was, where she came from, because she's a gypsy's daughter. She's nothing but a dirty little tinker. Okay. So this is absolutely meant a term that is meant to put her down and make her feel ashamed and bad about who she is. And that's how she got to start her life. Yes, that was her nickname. We're off to a good start with this poor young lady. That's how he would refer to her. So the truth is, you know, we really don't know. There's two sides to every story. Um, There will be more in part two on her mom. So we will get to that, but I'm not going to go there just yet. Um, So it's just Barbara alone with a very passive father who cared more about entertaining women than he did about caring for his daughter. 
He had dashing good looks. He was often compared to Elvis Presley, as a matter of fact. Very, yeah. Nice looking man for his time. Young Elvis. Young Young Elvis, Elvis. yes. He had, um, you know, that dark quaff. Oh, yeah. Uh Greased over. Yep, yep. And he enjoyed the women back, particularly a woman named Marion. Their home had no carpet. It only had a, a small heated, like, gas fireplace in the living room only. So it was often cold and dank in their home. But Dad had plenty of money to uh, take Marion out on dates. So it's the 1960s, all right? We are in the Liverpool area, just so you know. Barbara's five years old. Now, she recalls being left alone in the home a lot while her father and Marion went out. She had to sleep in a pram, which in America we call that a stroller. Yeah, baby carriage, a stroller. Yeah, even at five years old. So she's not fitting comfortably in this, Megan. I wouldn't think, unless she's completely malnourished and undersized. No, actually, she was very tall for her age. Her dad was tall. So uh, we'll see later on, her age actually gets mistaken by a couple of years because she's big for her age. But she's squeezing herself in a pram or a baby carriage at the age of five when she's left alone. When she's left alone to sleep in. Um, because Marion felt, and her dad, really, that she fit just perfect in it. So some states, and obviously countries, they actually don't have a minimum age that kids can be left alone, probably especially in the 60s. But usually it is um, the the thought that they have to be old enough to take care of themselves. I don't know that anybody's going to be able to argue that a five-year-old should be left to care for themselves. Correct. Exactly. Again, it is the 1960s, though. Free love. Dad was off getting the free love. He sure was, over and over and over again. Like Stephen Smith, what's ironic is it's like damn near the same time. Barbara and Stephen are like growing up at the same time. Barbara spent a lot of time alone like Stephen did, but she wasn't necessary you know she wasn't in a basement she right. she knew about the world no she was in d- dirt floors in a baby carriage yes exactly but he did take her places and she knew about the outside world okay, okay so they're different in that regard but she's very neglected okay well Marion decides if we're going to leave her alone while we go to the pub to get drunk every night and then bring people back here to party I better probably leave her with some food and a way to like go to the bathroom because when she's five years old, they do lock her in her room while they're gone all night because they don't want her leaving the house and people knowing that she's by herself. So Marion being the lovely nurturing woman that she clearly is, she brings her an egg box. Megan. What's an egg box? Oh, you mean like the- An egg carton? Oh, uh, yeah. Yep. It's got eggs. It has two hard-boiled eggs in it for her so she can have something to eat. But she's also instructed that should she need to use the loo, this yeah. is also her toilet. Oh, God. She's shitting where she eats. She is. Uh, she didn't even tell her to take the eggs out first. And she's five. She's five. She probably could figure it out. I would hope so. What a lovely lady. She also left her- An empty milk carton, I shouldn't say empty, I'm sorry, the milk jug was, didn't have milk in it, it had water. Okay, so a milk milk jug of water. A milky water, Mm mm-hmm, and Which could also double as a waste receptacle. It could, should she, not as easily as if she was a boy, but yeah, she could. And this is why sometimes we should require licenses to have children. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. This right here. Say no more. They also just didn't want her running about the house, disturbing people in the night, flushing the toilet. 
Oh, okay. Because, yes. yeah. Yeah. In well, other that words, can be very loud when you're tripping on acid. Things get all weird. She also, they also just don't want their friends that they're bringing over to party knowing that they have a kid. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. Because then there's going to be followed with questions. There is. Because sometimes people who come to party might actually be concerned. Yes. Appropriate. Yeah. There yeah. are decent drugs. Yeah. And what happens is they do come out or come and party. They throw Elvis records on and blast them very loudly. This actually becomes a source of comfort for Barbara because then she knows she's not alone. We've heard this before mm-hmm. with music. Yep. She can hear Elvis playing and she knows her dad's home and that in the smell of tobacco and alcohol was very comforting for her. Because she knew that they were home and she was no longer alone because she was left alone so much. One of the things that Marion and and dad decide to do, there's an entrance to the attic in Barbara's bedroom. Okay. In the ceiling. Like, have you seen those before? I actually had one of those in one of my old houses. I had one. It is kind of terrifying. When you live in older houses, my farmhouse, my parents' farmhouse that I grew up in was like a, you know, early 1900s. Yep. Mine so, too. Yes, for yeah, sure. Ours was 1800s, actually. But mine, the, and the entrance to the attic was in my room, and it did bother me. Yeah, the, it's in the closet in what's the old master bedroom in the house I'm in now, oh, where my it? oldest took over. And I can only tell you that there were a number of things that occurred there with the younger children where things were placed and or hung from the attic so that they, she would oh. walk in on it, like a china doll oh. or a clown. So I immediately have terror vibes for her. As you should, because what Marion decides to do to ensure that this child does not run around the house when they're at the pub at this night. This bitch. She open, her dad, she has the dad open the door. So it's wide open. It's this hole in her ceiling. And she tells her that a monster lives up there. Great. And Great parenting. If she leaves her bedroom... The monster will know and it's going to eat her. Marion, this is a missed opportunity because if she had a bed, you could have just said that the monster lives under a bed and if she steps out, it'll grab her feet and eat her. Then you wouldn't have had to deal with the attic. You wouldn't have had to open the attic at all. Yeah. No. Well, sorry you missed the suggestion, Marion. Yes. Yeah. Instead, she went with the old monster, monster in, in the, the attic. attic routine. This made her so terrified. It's funny that you mentioned the bed because once she heard the door slam and she knew that she was alone in the house... She lived under her bed. Oh, she so hid under her bed. That was comfort. From the monster. Mm-hmm. She was too scared to eat the two eggs, to go to the bathroom, to drink anything. Okay? She just laid there in silence. She did. Terrified of moving and waking this monster that would eat her. Marion can see that this is taking a toll on Barbara. The fear and the lack of eating and drinking. And Barbara's like... You know, honey, what is the matter? You essentially, you look like shit. Like, what is going on? She's like, I, I'm not sleeping. I'm so scared of the monster that's in the attic. And instead of saying something like, well, it's only there when we're gone or something like that, Marion's like, oh, well, I just want to let you know. It lives in your wardrobe, too. Oh, my God. Yeah. I want a straight puncher. I mean, who the fuck is this bitch? Well, she's dad's girlfriend, right? She is. Yep. Has she moved in with them or is she just a frequenter? No, here's the problem is that this is the recollection of five-year-old memories. Oh, sure. I would anticipate that, yes, she does live there. But the child herself, Barbara, she's in her room so often, she doesn't really know what is going on with the adults, right? I so mean, she's not trapped in the basement, but she isn't getting out not, to know 
her surroundings. Yeah, no, she's not going to school. She's not doing those things. And and like I said, the sound of the partying going on in the house, Elvis playing tobacco, that was comforting to her because she wasn't alone. And she knew her dad, she felt that her dad would never let the monster eat her when he's home. So he was, even though he's not a great dad, she is still comforted by the fact that he's there and protecting, you know, yeah, she I love feels the five-year-old brain. <clears throat> if there's right. an adult there, they can protect you, so. Yep. And then one day, Marion comes home with a baby in her arms. Oh, shit. Oh, yeah. Her father had knocked Marion up, and little brother Stephen was born. In an ironic twist, not the same Stephen. Right. From, from the Stephen Smith case, although, now that wouldn't that be a twist, but no, it's it's a different Stephen. Marion, of course, loves her son. Sure. Right. It did kind of bring out a little bit of motherly instincts. Like she starts bathing Barbara more and like doing her hair up and and putting her in dresses so that she's more feminine, more girly. She is not allowed to touch or even look at her little brother. It is, and those are not only Marion's rules, but those are dad's rules too. You are a dirty tinker. You will not touch my son. And of course, she's five. She wants to know her little she wants to help with her little brother hold him they're cute most five-year-olds i know are excited when they have a sibling home there's a few that aren't i've seen the videos but (laughs) she's she's thinking here's this baby that came home and i want to touch him and look at his cute little face but nope she's told she's told she's a dirty tinker she's not allowed to touch him play with him nothing one time she tried to get steven he was in a room by himself in his pram and he was fussing a little bit so she thought that she would try to show him one of his toys to get him to stop fussing. He started crying harder when he saw her, probably because he wanted picked up and he saw another person. Dad walks in, screams at her to get away from the baby and says, this is a quote from the book, what are you? And when she did not answer, he said more angrily, I said, what are you? And she replied, I'm a tinker. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yep. And he I, said, do you feel the brain damage right now happening? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, yes. This whole book, when I was reading it, I was like, oh, my God, I, I know this child. I've worked with this child, and I know you how, have, what happens you have the rest of the life. You have convinced this child of what she is and how mm-hmm. she will define herself for probably most of her adult life. Mm-hmm. And he says, yes, you are. And what are they? They are fucking useless. And that's what you are. So what does that make you? And she replied, useless. He's making her answer him about how awful she is. Just for showing her little brother a toy. Power and control wheel. It can happen with kids too. Yep. And he says, yes, you are useless. Now get up those stairs, Tinker, and stay away from Steven. So um, then her father, she's about six at this point in time, and she, the thing is, is that her father gets a job working on oil rigs, which means he's gone, like all the time, for months at a time. I'm familiar with that work, yep. yeah. And so Marion actually softens a little bit to her because she figures out, I can use this six-year-old to help me with this child oh, when yeah. I don't want to parent him. So he also, she can do things like cleaning his dirty cloth diapers. I can make her do that. I can make her wash dishes. I can make her be my little bitch, essentially. And she does. But Marion's sister, Lorraine, lived just a couple houses down. And with her husband away, Marion spent a lot of time with her sister all day. She's just sending money home 
um, or excuse me, he, the dad, is just sending money home for Marion to stay at home with these kids, deal with the house, right? But he's making a lot of money. So he, he is actually sending home dresses and nice things. Sending gifts, too. He is. Money is supposed to be spent on caring for these kids, and it's not. Marion and Lorraine are having just a good old time buying their fags, cigarettes of the time, you know, booze, all of that sort of stuff. The house is not really being kept up. But Lorraine lived, like I said, just Desperate Housewives of Liverpool, 1960s. Yes, yes. That's exactly (laughs) what it is. I'm picturing their big bouffant hair and they're just chain smoking. Right. Mm-hmm. Wearing like orange and green polyester minis. Oh my God. I was just going to say yeah, orange and green it. polyester. Are we both have probably watched too much Austin Powers. So Perhaps. I apologize to you, Liverpool. You, you know that the furniture is super like flowery and probably has plastic on it. Yeah, like it's, baby. Yeah, that's, that's it. Here's Lorraine. Lorraine is now a big part of her life. Lorraine's got five children. All right. Her dad's not around. I mean, they're, like, caring for her in the respect that she's being fed and she has a place to sleep, but they're not nurturing her. They're dicks to her. No, she's, she's the nanny at this point. Yes, yep. And they would ooh and ah over, like, the pretty dresses that he would send home for Barbara, but she was never allowed to be in them. For Barbara? Yeah. He would send the dresses. Okay, he would that's send dresses good that he was Barbara. sending them. Yeah. But, but she, she couldn't wear them. No, no, of course not. She's a dirty tinker. Jesus. She's just going to get them messed up. She did get to know Stephen a little bit more, as even just as a baby. There was one time that she recalled at Lorraine's where she was told by Lorraine to go play with Stephen, but to stay off the furniture because a dirty tinker is not allowed on the fucking furniture. Lorraine. I'm sure it was The aunt has picked right ugly. up on this. Uh-huh. So they come from a decent family in general. Yeah, as you can Instead tell. of looking at her sister and saying, well, that doesn't seem very nice to say to a six-year-old. Why, why she are you? just joins right in the bullying. She does. She absolutely does. So there she is playing with, you know, Stephen is just sitting. He's still an infant at this point in time. And she's just like cooing to him and showing him toys and whatnot. And one of Lorraine's fucking older boys, she's got two teen boys that are like 18. And one of these little pricks comes up. And steps on Barbara's hand for absolutely no reason. Because it was there. Just to be a dick. Of course, she starts calling out because it hurts. The calling out makes Stephen cry. So Lorraine comes running into the room and Marion following right behind her thinking that something's going on with Stephen. And they blame Barbara for why Stephen's crying. And they're like, oh, my God, we thought you hurt. We, we thought that you hurt her, or him, him. excuse me. Yeah. Now, right when the moms come in the room, the little dick takes his hand, or his foot off her hand. She's trying to explain, and her hand is turning purple okay. and swelling. And she's trying to explain what's going on. They're not hearing any of it. She made the baby cry. How dare her, this dirty tinker, making the baby cry. So she is thrown into her father's house to be left alone for the rest of the day. All right. Yep. You're just going to stay. Yep. With the monster in the attic. Yes. With the monster in the attic and told, don't go near the curtains and you can't wear your shoes because we don't want the neighbors to see that there's a little girl living in this house. She literally, Marion literally tells her, we don't need the neighbors knowing our business. Don't wear your shoes. Why? Are they in, in like a, a apartment, a flat or something like people might hear footsteps? It, the concern is the hearing of footsteps. Okay. Yes. But a... I don't know the situation. I was kind of picturing maybe like a condo type Townhouse thing, townhousey thing. thing. Yeah. yeah, very possible, but I'm not sure of that. Um, it wasn't described, but she is terrified. She can't have the windows open. 
someone might hear her. So she's alone, hot and sweaty, crying. It's summertime. She desperately needs a drink, but she's too scared to go get one because the monster might eat her if she moves. All right. So later that same day, so she's hot. She's thirsty. She did finally get up the courage to run to the tap, chug down some water, and then go back underneath her bed. Okay. But later in the afternoon, like close to the evening, Marion came and got her. And the whole reason that she came and got her was basically to humiliate her. She brought her back to Lorraine's house, finally put her in one of those dresses that her dad had sent, did her hair all up, and they tell her that they're putting on putting some wings on her, okay, and sending her out to go play with the other kids. Now, she had the time of her life, but what she did not know is that on the wings, someone had wrote, whether it was Marion or Lorraine, we don't know, but on the wings, there was a message that read, she may look like an angel, but she is a devil. Don't play with her. Are you fucking kidding me? Like, we're Why? bullying a five-year-old. You know what it is? It's the scapegoating. We yeah. talked about this in a previous episode, where there is one child that is blamed for all of the family's problems. And for this particular family, it's the tinker. It's well, because Barbara. it had started before it had. Um, she came into the picture, stepmom, because yeah. dad was angry with her the minute his wife, the minute her mom left him. Yes, so, and left him with her. Yeah. And we will find out more about that later. Then there's she recalls another time with Lorraine's creepy 18-year-old boys where there's this big party at Lorraine's house and there's suddenly not enough room for everyone at Lorraine's, even though she had five kids, so she had plenty of room, right? Well, two of them are 18. Go out and do something, right? Beats. Oh, well, they, they told them that they are going to go over to Barbara's house and sleep with Barbara for the night while... Marion and Lorraine have their party over at Lorraine's oh, house. They just wanted to get rid of the kids. Yes. But these two 18-year-olds make her sleep with them. I, this is not like a, a sexual abuse trigger okay. or anything. But it is weird because she remembers being forced to scratch one of the boy's feet all night. And if she stopped, he would kick her and tell her to keep scratching. He's just a regular run-of-the-mill bully, too. But fucking gross. Her, his feet... I, yeah, I instantly am not. I'm not a foot person again. No, me neither. No, no kink shaming, but that's no. not something I'm into. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I hope that that's not what this was for him and that it was just more a comfort thing and him being a, an ass, a misogynist, yes. really. I wondered that too, but she's six. You know, she doesn't have all of her memories. We have no idea. Oh, we have God. no idea yep, what's going yep. on. But you do get the, the weird feeling yes, right now, I did. right? The in whole the time I stomach. was reading it in the, in the book, I was like, where is this? I think I know where this is going. I think I know where this is going. And then when it didn't go there, I was like, oh, man, I don't know. I think there's more to that story. That is just creepy to me. Out of respect for her, I'm going to assume that she put down everything that she remembers. I agree. I I do think that in, in, in some interviews that she had done to the news, you know, with news outlets and whatnot she had indicated that too okay you know this is as best as she can remember not all assholes are sexual predators right sometimes they're just just assholes assholes. yeah i've met plenty of those yeah we know them right (laughs) you know i don't know it it just seemed like for her too she had said to reporters like a lot of her story people didn't believe you know i firmly believe that this happened to her weirdness whatever scratching this feet and him kicking her and telling her to keep scratching I, I do well there's just a, a purity to certain childhood memories there they, they haven't had a chance to be uh, perverted there hasn't mm-hmm. been any any coaching that that we're aware of so 
I think that we need to become more comfortable in all aspects, in, in all careers, that when a child discloses these type of things, and this is an innocuous one, this is a relatively harmless, although gross memory, why would you, why would you discredit her for that? Right. Right. If she yep. remembers it, she remembers it. For sure. Because that would be a super random weird thing for her psyche yeah. just to make up. Well, and, and focus on that detail. You must be lying about him scratching your foot. Hello, big picture. She was made to go back home alone mm-hmm. again so two adult women who were supposed to be caring them could party. And they literally sent all the other kids because that's how good of people they were. Right. So, right. Exactly. Yeah. Now... She could always tell when her dad was due to arrive home off the rig because Marion would go into psycho mode and make her clean the house. Oh, my God. Because daddy can't know that Marion's not really keeping the house clean the whole time that he's gone. So she's got to scrub the toilets. She's got to clean the bathroom. She's got to make sure that all of Steven's nappies are nice and clean. And she's being a royal bitch while she's doing this, making her, if something's not clean to her specification, she's got to clean it again, which I'm sure that a six-year-old wasn't cleaning to normal specifications because she's fucking six. Yeah, I would venture a guess. Yep. Now, her dad did bring home a big block of chocolate. Oh, okay. For Steven. Steven can't eat chocolate he yet. Can't. Nope, still a babe. So he brings home a big chocolate bar. That's the word you're looking for. Thank you. Yes. Block of yes, chocolate. Like a, like a Toblerone bar or whatever yes. those are. When I, they're delicious, and mm-hmm. I only used, used to get them at the airport. Yes. Yeah, those. Well, he brings one home for, for the baby infant. Steven. And puts it on the fireplace mantle (laughs) where she can see not only is it on the fireplace mantle, but also the sun is shining in directly on it. So Barbara's like, I'm going to move this so it doesn't melt because I'm smarter. She's doing science at five in her her head. Oh, God, I'm sorry. The six-year-old is doing science. Mm Mm-hmm. Her father comes in, seeing her moving it, and of course her tiny little chubby hands knock something off the mantle because the coordination of a six-year-old. So her father comes in, screams at her that she is not to touch anything of Stevens, and then before she can explain what she is really doing, he like drags her half crawling, half standing down the hall, and he went to go like throw her towards the stairway, and she cracks her face on the door frame. Okay. And she's trying to tell him, like, he didn't notice her care, and she's trying to tell him, like, I, you just, you know, ow. And he's yelling, you're a dirty tinker, go upstairs to your room. Now, at dinner that night, Marion looks worried for, like, the first time ever because her face is black and blue and swollen. Yeah. It looks like you got punched in the Mm -hmm. face. How do we explain this? Well, and she's due to start school in two days. Of course. Mm Mm-hmm. Is so, dad worried at which all? Her mom, no, not that, not that it was described. She was very excited to start school. Mm-hmm. And actually, Marion had kind uh, of been like hyping her up about it. Because she wants to get school. rid of her, but you're going to break mm-hmm. my heart, aren't you? I am. Yeah, okay. just be prepared. This doesn't go well. I know. So she gets dressed up. She's very excited about school. She gets all dressed up in a pretty dress, all ready to go. Marion's got her. She's walking her down the sidewalk. There they are walking by Lorraine's house. And she comes out and she's like, what the fuck are you doing? You cannot take her to school looking like that. See, she just wanted to get rid of Barbara for the day, get her to school, and Lorraine's like, girl. You can't. They're going to call, literally tells her, they're going to call social services. You can't take her like that. So she turns Barbara around and does not allow her to go to her first day of school. Yep. You broke my heart. Yep. So she got to sit all day all by herself, and a day she was supposed to be in school Marion went back to Lorraine's with Stephen, and she was just home alone that whole day. 
wearing her school dress. Yes. With her little bag. Already yeah, carrying all, a book's bag. She was all ready. About a week later, her father called her downstairs. He did so by screaming, Tinker, get down here. Turns out Marion had left him and had taken Stephen, and it was all her fault. Not his own fault, of course. Oh. It was all her fault. Six-year-old's so, fault. Mm-hmm. All the six-year-old fault. Just like in the Lauren Cavanaugh case where yes. everything was Lauren's fault. Yes. this It's all Barbara's. So, as punishment for being a dirty tinker. And ruining his second marriage also. Yes. Her birth was the first problem. It was. It's her fault that she got the bruise on her cheek. So, she is told that she needs to get into the bathtub and scrub the tinker out of her because she's a dirty tinker. This is starting to bother me more. I'm going to give a trigger alert now. Okay, good. So he gives her like a really coarse, you know, loofah type scrub brush thing. Yeah. And she's told to start scrubbing. And she wants to make her father proud. So she scrubs and she scrubs and she scrubs. And when he comes back in, she says, look, dad, the tinker's coming out of me. It was blood? It was blood. The bathtub is full of blood at this point in time. Do you hope at least that his reaction is like, oh, fuck. He took one look at her. Got her out of the tub and threw her in bed, according to Barbara O'Hara's book. Yes. The next morning, her father was already gone to work. Um, She woke up to Lorraine's son coming to wake her up. So his son, her her aunt, quote unquote, sends the 18-year-old or whoever to come wake her up, even though her stepmom's already left. She had, Marion had left. All right, or or had at least told him she was leaving, whatever. The the 18-year-old takes a look at her and just cowers away and runs to get his mom no shit so yeah. he's so concerned with the sight yes. of what of all her skin sloughed off skin exactly yep that he runs and gets his mom marion comes in so marion i think had left like had told her dad i'm leaving i'm taking steven probably went and stayed he went Lorraine's. to the sisters yep, sure exactly that's where she wanted to be anyway yep went to lorraine's he goes to get mom. Yes, but Mar- Marion comes back. Instead, okay. Yes, not Lorraine. Marion comes back. Is Marion trying to be mother of the year now? Oh, uh, yeah. Marion has a problem. Okay. She says, oh, my God. She gently picks Barbara up, carries her to the bathroom to try to help clean up, like, the dried blood and things like that. And she's just saying, you poor, poor child. Okay, that pisses me off, Charnel. She's being all tenderly and Yeah, because she her. left dad and she doesn't want to be a part of this now. Are you getting custody vibes because of the baby? Like, now he's the worst father in the world mm-hmm. that this has happened. Mm-hmm. I don't like any of this. You're not going to make me like Marion. Oh, I just no, want you to know. Oh, no, we don't like Marion. Okay, no. perfect. This is like the only time she's ever tender. But she was, her. but obviously injuries were so bad. Yes. Okay. That it even made Marion concerned. Okay, so she's yep. putting her in the bath. Did they not realize that these injuries are so fresh? She's just going to bleed again. They're going to get the scabs to loosen she, up. I don't know if she bathed her. She just... Cleaned her up. Yeah, she just helped cleaned her up, clean her up dressed her gingerly, takes her over to Lorraine's and announces, I'm done with him. I'm leaving him. This actually made Barbara feel really good. She, for the first time ever, felt like Marion was on her side. I know. You know? <laughs> I know, you know? Yeah. Right. Nothing like stating the obvious here, Shardell. No, but I'm just saying yeah. that's, that's why it, it, it's bothering me. Yeah. And I hope it bothers everybody else, too, that now when it benefits you, you feel sorry for this mm-hmm. little girl. So thank you for showing an ounce of human compassion, you fucking bitch. But right. I still don't like any of it. No. Well, she leaves. Oh. She takes Stephen and leaves. But and she leaves. But, oh, my God. See? I can't take it anymore. Barbara with Lorraine. Oh. Okay. 
Lorraine is insistent on keeping Barbara. Well, she scratches people's feet when they go to sleep. Yeah. She's handy to have around. In Barbara's book, she's like, you know what? The, I'll give this to Lorraine. She at least had enough sense to know I shouldn't go back to my dad's for the time being. So Lorraine takes her in. Okay. She has to sleep with one of Lorraine's sons and one of Lorraine's daughters. They're eight and nine years old. Well, she has so many kids and they're in a flat of some kind. Yep. So she's got them all shoved in the same bedrooms. But again, yep. this is not a sexual abuse case it's at not. this point. Nope. No, no. You know, there's no reason why they couldn't be sleeping in the same bed, whatever. Survival. But one of her, Lorraine's children wet the bed. Oh. And they blamed it on Barbara. And this set Lorraine off. Everything I've done for you and this is what you do, wet the bed. Oh, yeah. Enuresis is totally something that people control. Yeah. Right? But Lorraine's too dumb to know that. And she's going to believe her own kids over a dirty tinker. You really think that there weren't pissy sheets before she came to stay there? Thank you. That was my exact thought, Mm -hmm. too. She kicks her out. So now she has to stay at her father's house all alone. Lorraine has one of her children bring over a sugar sandwich for her to eat daily. Is that a thing? Uh, I think is it that a British thing? Yes. So she's all alone. Or is it cinnamon toast? Like we would call cinnamon. We toast would call here. it. No, they, it was just described as a sugar sandwich. So I was taking that as face value to be like, yeah, but it might be butter okay. and sugar. UK mm-hmm. UK listeners, somebody send us a message. Let us know. Literally, though, her father is still t- sending checks to Lorraine to take care of her. So he's back on the rigs. Yeah, he's on the rigs. He's gone. Marion's gone with Stephen for good. And she is just, he thinks that Lorraine is caring for his daughter, so he's sending Lorraine checks. She's cashing the checks. She's giving her sugar sandwiches and having her live in the house. One day, then a couple comes to the house because her father has rented the house out, Megan. With her in? Yeah, because he doesn't he think doesn't she's in it. No, she's in it. Yes. So they find her, All their names are Liam and Edna. Okay. They're a married couple. They have an adult daughter named Susan. Susan fi- is actually the one that finds her in the home. And you would think that at this point in time, they'd call social services, right? Like My heart to yeah, find a child like in there. A dirty, she's got lice in her hair. She is dirty. She's, she's living on sugar sandwiches and water. No one's taking her to school. She's not going to school. Time. Exactly. That comes up in a second. Okay. They see an opportunity. They figure out what's going on. Like They negotiated rent. They're going to have him send the checks so they take care of him, of, of her. Okay? No shit. Yeah. We see this opportunity here. We're going to take care of this girl, and they're, they will send us checks to take, or he, the dad, the father, will send us or checks. Or I'm going to turn you in. Right. Exactly. But they do take her to town to a fetch to get appropriate clothing, some toys, everything. Okay. Good. Um, they discover she has lice. They took care of that. Now, at this point in time, she seems kind of happy, actually. In hindsight, as an adult, she can look back and see what the fuck they really were doing. But as a child, she was pretty damn happy to have clean clothes, clean hair, toys. She was a little overwhelmed, okay, but still, she is... Feels like she's being taken care of. They got the house cleaned up. They got her a proper bed. And they said to her, after they set her new bed up, like, well, what do you say? And she didn't know. So she replied, I'm a dirty tinker. Oh, God. Damn it. Yeah. So then. Thank you. We were just looking for thank you. That is, that's all they wanted. They were just trying to teach her manners. And she knew when she was prompted like that, that she was supposed to say, I'm a dirty tinker. Yeah. And I'm fucking useless. Yep. Exactly. 
So then they start to ask her questions like, okay, how old are you? Have you been to school? They discover, Liam had discovered a whole bunch of letters in the mail slot. Yeah. That were from the education authority. Oh, so they had like a truancy or an they education did. authority and there. And they were sending them. Where's this child? These She's enrolled. Well, yep. she was enrolled too. And so it's not like she just up. got missed. Mm-hmm. She didn't appear. Mm-hmm. Now, Susan, their adult, Liam and Edna's adult daughter, had actually thought she was eight because she was tall for her age. Oh, okay. So once Liam's like, oh, wait, no, I found all of this mail, this discarded mail. Dad's on the oil rigs. It's not like Barbara's reading the mail. Right. right? So they go through them and realize she's not eight. She's six. Shit. She's supposed to be in school. Yeah. They decide and they discover your birthday's coming up. Uh We're going to throw you a birthday party. Well, she didn't know what the fuck a birthday party was. No. So she's like, okay. She gets all dressed up. She's ready for her party. They send her out to play. They invited all the kids from the neighborhood who didn't like her because she'd had a black mark on her from wearing those wings that said, I may look like an angel, but I'm really a devil. So kids didn't want to play with her. And she goes out into the backyard. She got into some blackberries because she's six. She was eating some. And they're delicious. Of course. They're all over her face, but they're all over her pretty dress. The thorns had messed up her pretty ringlet curls. She came into the house. Edna gasped. She is all upset and says, you really are a dirty tinker. Oh, son of a bitch. You had me so hopeful that we were heading in a good direction. I mean, would it be on this podcast if there was a good direction? Yeah, damn it. I thought you <laughs> at some point in time might want to throw somebody a bone and make us feel good. I was hoping right. there was a decent human being involved in this story. Not for a real long time. So they did, they canceled the party. She really didn't care though, because she didn't know what the fuck a birthday party was. So she didn't know what she was missing. She was wearing a pretty dress and ate blackberries in the yard. Yes. That's a party for She's her. She's like, whatever. And this weird Edna bitch that I just met is all pissed off. Whatever. Now, Susan did walk her to her first day of school. She loved school. She did really well in school. After a little while of being with Edna and Liam, she realizes Edna liked herself the drink. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. It's, it's at school that they discover that Barbara has a lazy eye, which in the 1960s, there is a very common myth at the time that if someone has a lazy eye, they're cognitively impaired. Really? Mm-hmm. I had not heard that. Yep, which didn't help her gain any friends. It's obviously completely untrue, but she decided Edna had bought her a really pretty doll. It was her first doll that she had had, and she decided that she was going to take her prized doll to show and tell. Of course. Essentially. She's not supposed to, the doll's not supposed to leave the house. Okay, I understand. But I mean, come on. That's it, her first doll. Your kids have done that, right? Yes. Yeah. My, of course. Yeah, it happens. I mean, I took a picture in one time for show and tell because I wanted to show the teacher my dog, but my dad was sitting in his boxers behind the dog. <laughs> so this is why parents need to pay attention to what their kids yeah, take. Yeah. It happens. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah, I know. I, I, I love they still that tell story. me that story. I bet. Yeah. They're, they're still traumatized from it. Way to go, man. Well, I mean, he seems okay. He only brings it up every time we have a conversation. <laughs> Sorry, Dad. But they love you dearly. It's all right. So is this a China doll or it is it does have a porcelain face. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And of course this mean little boy at school has to rip it from her arms and throw it up on the fucking school roof. Because why wouldn't he? Well nineteen sixties boys. To me that means he probably had a crush on her. Maybe. You know, when boys treat you mean or pick on you publicly, it's usually because they have a boner. Right, right. And that's how we end up in domestically violent situations. Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, it hasn't happened recently. (laughs) What what would they do now? Throw my phone up on the roof? You son of a bitch. And then you better call the cops for you. Right. Of course, I had to tell Edna. 
Oh, that she took like the doll. doll and that a kid threw it on the roof. So Edna had a, a son, an older son, Trevor, that was in visiting that weekend and or that week, whatever. So she sends Trevor to go get the doll. When he brings it back, they discover that on impact, the doll was ruined. The face was broken. Yeah. Edna decided to take it upon herself to beat her for not taking care of the doll. Now, up until this point, she'd really just been neglected. Yeah. I mean, her dad did drag her around by her hair and whatnot, but there was no recollection of actual beatings. This is the first time that she, you know, did that or that she experienced that. She was telling her that she didn't deserve nice things and that she was backwards because of her lazy eye. That's their derogatory term. It is. was backward yep. instead of the R word or yep. whatever. Okay. So here she is living with a woman who is on the sauce and is mean and on the surface is really just using her as a paycheck but is is actually caring for her more physically than she's ever been cared for in her life she's not locked in her room and left alone all the time she's being fed better much better food and she's clean and has clothes she's playing outside one day and sees her father carrying steven on his shoulders they're laughing and having a jolly time can you imagine what, how this made her feel? She sees her father? Yes, with Stephen. And this makes her want her real mother so bad. She doesn't know who she is, you know, but she wants her mom. She's convinced that her mom is out there somewhere wanting her. And she's jealous seeing Stephen and her dad. So dad is coming back still from the rigs. Yeah. But somebody else Spending is living. Spending time with Stephen. Okay. Yes. Someone else is renting out his home. So God only knows where the fuck he was living. If he got back to Marion, we don't know. Because or he's this is, staying at Lorraine's. And yes. Seeing his, yeah, who knows? Yep, because this is Barbara's story. So we don't know dad's, we don't know where dad really was or whatnot, but he was playing with Steven. Life goes on. And she's still thinking the whole time and glamorizing mom and what mom would be yes. because she doesn't know her she doesn't and she know. only knows what she's heard. Yes. Eventually, though, Edna and Liam do move to a place that had like a little shop, but it had an apartment above it. Yeah. Had a little chip shop below it, and they start running the chip shop. So French fries. Yeah, and they like live. She's she's happy there. They take her. Yeah, yeah. They take her, and she's she's sharing a bed with a bedroom with Susan. But it doesn't matter because Susan is an adult, and she found herself a man's. So right. she's never home. Great. So life is good. She's allowed to join the brownies. She gets oh. to work like in the chip shop, and she got to peel like potatoes and onions, and things aren't so bad for her in this time. Then all of a sudden. Marion shows up again and thrusts Stephen into Edna's arms, saying that they need her to look after him for a while. Well, they're already paying her to watch Barbara. So why not Stephen too? So this is why I think that she he got like her dad got back together with Marion. Yeah. And that's why she saw him and Stephen that day. Okay. At this point in time, Stephen's fucking four years old. Yeah. But he has been his mother's prized possession, so it's interesting. I know. I don't know what happened to Marion. She fell off the rails. Because she gives Stephen to Edna and Liam. Surprise, it's a boy. Yep. Four years old. Okay. So she hasn't seen him in years since the day that he was on his, their father's shoulder. Uh, there's a story that she recalled a little while after this. She was going to get something downtown for Edna. And she noticed a man following her. And she didn't recognize him. And he started to almost like give chase. She ran back to the chip shop and was telling people that there was this man following her. Well, of course, they thought he had ill intentions, so they go running out the door. Right. It's not until later that she realizes that man was actually her father. But so much time had went on 
she had forgot what he looked like. Wow, he hasn't seen her in years Mm -mm. then. Life with Edna. I want to talk a little bit about life with Edna. They do move again. They moved away from the chip shop a little while after Stephen came into the picture because they needed more room. But it was only, the house that they went to was only like a five minute walk away from the chip shop. So she was excited because she didn't have to change schools and she could still help out at the chip shop. She's eight years old at this point in time. Edna's drinking. She had showed her all these fun things that she ordered from a catalog for her, for her doll. Like a high chair and an ironing board and like a bed and all this fun stuff. So she's pretty excited about getting these things. You know, Edna's like, I had ordered these from a catalog. One day she came home from school and she snuck some grapes from a bowl. Now she was not supposed to eat before dinner. All right. Which I'm like, they're fucking grapes. And healthy snack. Right. Edna caught her, sent her to her room. An hour later, calls her out of her room and says, I want you to go to this grocery store and pick me up some stuff. But the grocery store that she sent her to was like longer than, there was a closer one, but she sent her to like a farther one away. When she returned, Edna was in a better mood and then told her, do you want to go play in the canal that was by their house? And so Barbara's like, sure. Like I was in trouble for eating grapes, but now I'm going to go play in the canal. That's cool. So she does. And when she gets there, she sees her doll floating on the surface in the canal. She threw all her shit in it. In the water. Yeah. Not only that, but she also threw all of the stuff that she had ordered her for Christmas that she had showed her from the catalog, all this fun stuff for her doll, the high chair and the ironing board and all that. She had dumped it all in the canal. And this little girl goes at eight years old and finds all of her Christmas gifts waterlogged in the canal. She did not know because she's eight fucking years old that it was Edna. So she ran home and tells Edna what she saw. Like oh, my doll God. is in the canal and all the stuff that you said you were ordering from me is in the for me is in the canal. And Edna responds with, what have you done? Oh, blaming fuck. her, saying that it was her just so she could beat her. Okay. So she did. This is where the beatings start. Mm -hmm. She's punching her, kicking her with her feet, everything. She went to bed without supper. Now, of course, because she went to bed without supper, Barbara sneaks out in the middle of the night to get a slice of bread and butter. The next morning, Edna's like, oh, hungry are we? You're not real smart because you left the butter dish out. So I know that you snuck bread and butter. She tells her to clean up and get ready for school. So she does. Edna makes her a breakfast of like bacon, eggs, pancakes, all that stuff. And, you know, she has not ate. Edna takes the plate of breakfast. I was waiting for it. Puts it right into her face and smashes the plate into her face. Okay. The plate leaves a bruise on her cheek, to which she had to call the school and tell them that she had an infected tooth. That's what the bruise was from. She was really good at covering up. Oh, so she still sent her to school. She did. But she's like, hey, just wanted to let you know, I'm sending my kid with a bruise today. Uh And just so you guys know, Christmas came and went that year. Steven got a commando bike and she got, she did get a small doll doll in a selection box. I couldn't confirm specifically what a selection box really was in the 1960s. It must be something from there, Yeah. yeah. Yep, so... It was a pretty miserable day for her. <laughs> She's in another situation where Stephen is being idolized. Yes. How is this? Ha- is this child made of gold? I don't know. Does he lay eggs? I'm sure she thinks so. I guess. At this point in time. I'm not to be mean to Stephen. Maybe he's lovely, but this child was obviously favored. And then again, when he gets dropped off at these caregivers. Mm-hmm. So they move with Edna again. This time she's nine years old. Edna starts staying at the pub longer and longer. 
Um, she does not want them playing outside because she figures if they get hurt, then it's going to disrupt her pub time and she can't take them to the hospital drunk. So she just, she locks them in the house, but she takes their shoes so that they can't leave. They can't run away. And so that no one can hear them walking around. This sounds familiar. Mm -hmm. This causes Barb to start having flashbacks to her childhood with her dad and Marion. They start to hoard food in their bedroom. Stephen was not used to the constant hunger. Barbara was. Sure. But Stephen's new to this. So he was really, really struggling with the constant hunger. And he's only four. He is. And he doesn't even know his sister because she wasn't allowed to be part of his life. So now that she's nine, he's five. Yeah. And but still, you know, he had five years of being taken care of. She starts, you know, she's feeling maternal towards Stephen. So she's going to take, she's trying to take care of him. So that's why she starts hoarding food. One particular time she was hoarding some biscuits. Well, Edna found out about the biscuits and beat her. Now, Liam, her husband, did try to tell her to lay off several times he, Liam's not a bad guy. He's just passive okay. and controlled we, by we, Edna. We see that a lot. Mm-hmm. And she wasn't necessarily unhappy. She liked the house that they lived in. They had a nice big backyard. Liam would give them money to go swimming. Apparently you had to pay to swim in like the local pool. Liam would? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, because Le- Liam's an appropriate, like, I don't want to call him an appropriate caregiver because we understand failure to protect. We do. We do. But... but- but he's trying to be the decent guy yeah, who's he like, hey, go have some fun. Here's he some money. Yes. And he didn't lay hands on them. Okay. Oh. She was the disciplinarian in all aspects. Yes. They have this money to go to the swimming, the local swimming pool, which is great. Except when they're on their way there, some neighborhood bullies know that they have money on them to go to the swimming pool. I mean, they're when in the kids their are walking suits, that way. They have their towels. Right. So they tell him that you're going to give me the money. Well, of course, Barbara is like, fuck you. No, I'm not going to give you my money. Good for you, Barbara. Then they they start like getting handsy. They push Stephen down. They gave Stephen a bloody nose. This makes Barbara crazy. She, Like I said, she had maternal instincts towards Stephen. So she is not happy. And she decides that she is going to get revenge on these boys because she knows where they live. It's a small neighborhood, okay? They did take their money. I don't hate that. I don't hate this, Charnel. She's going to get revenge. You beat my little brother up, right? Laid hands on me. Yeah. So the next day is a a Sunday. Edna sent was sending them over to church, and then after church, they were supposed to go to Lorraine's. Well, Barbara had a different plan. In dressed in her Sunday best, she tells Stephen, "We're taking a little detour, and we're going to go to these bastards' house." She takes her little cape. She's dressed in a green Sunday best dress that has a matching cape. I can picture it. Me too. I'm picturing it velvet. Yeah. I don't know why, but it's just, it's pretty and velvety. Maybe with the, with the smocking on yes. the front. Yes. Yep. So she takes her little cape and she finds the sharpest stones that she possibly can. And she makes herself a little satchel with her cape. And she goes to this bully's house and she climbs up a tree and she starts throwing these pebbles these rocks yep at the door well at first the mom opens the door she looks around she doesn't see anything whatever so she shuts it then she keeps throwing pebbles the next person to open the door is this little bastard kid and his little friend who had bullied them the day before so she starts pelting them with these stones (laughs) obviously 
they figure out where it's coming from and they start throwing the stones back. Now, Barbara is nine. She did not think her exit strategy through. No, she didn't. How do I get down from this tree that's in their yard and safely exit? She gets pelted with a stone and it actually cuts her eye really bad. Sure. So she's bleeding. Oh, she's bleeding on the dress and tape. She's bleeding on the dress. She runs home to Edna because she's bleeding profusely from above her eye. She actually needed stitches. Edna sees her, is like, oh my gosh, what's going on? She's like, these boys throw stones at me. Okay, she tells the story. She gives from, her from stitches. From her perspective, right? Yes. Yeah. Well, of course, Edna being Edna is like, we're not dealing with this. So show me where these bullies live. She takes Barbara, goes to these the, the door, knocks on the door, and is like, your kid, your little bastard kid. Here it goes. Yep, is Here throwing stones. And the mom's like, so obviously she didn't tell you that she was throwing the stones first. So, of course, Edna's like, Nope, she did not. Barbara, of course, being a nine-year-old girl, is going to deny this and say, Nuh-uh. And the mom is like, Oh, really? Then why is your cape still in the tree? Oops. She she left her cape. Damn it. How about the, they stole our pool money the day before. Right. Which could be evidenced by the fact we didn't go We did not go swimming because we didn't have the money to go swimming. And everyone walks around in their swimsuits downtown. And I'm not certain that Edna knew that Liam had sent them off to even go swimming. It sounded like she was sauced a lot of the time. So, of course, now she doesn't want to tell Edna the truth, right? I mean, she's scared of this woman. So she orders her home. Tells her to get right to bed. Calls her a whore. Her words, not mine. A whore? Calls her a whore and asks her what she's been doing up in the trees spying on boys. (laughs) Okay. So Edna's going to a dark and perverted place with this. Well, first of all, Edna, it would be a voyeur, not a whore. Yeah, yeah, If we're going to be appropriate about what we're into. Mm -hmm. So she leaves her and Stephen and her and Liam go off to the pub. A while later, they come back, slamming the door. These two are in a huge fight. She can hear that they're in a, in a really big, like they fought a lot, but this one was like really bad. Edna just kept saying she had to know, she had to know. So she marches right into Barbara's room, and this is where I'm going to give you a trigger alert, and it's not for physical abuse, it's for indecent touching of a child. Okay. So um, she literally pins Barbara to the bed, demanding to know what she had been doing with her brother and those other boys that she was throwing rocks at. And so she pries her legs open, and she puts a metal spoon in her vagina forcefully. Now, I'm sorry, sloshed Edna. Are you a doctor? Do you know what a hymen looks like? What are you trying to accomplish with a motherfucking spoon? Besides, she's, she's legitimately sexually abusing this child. Yeah, you just sexually assaulted her while you were trying to check to see if she was a virgin. I'm assuming yes, that's what she's I doing. She's checking she to see if she is a hymen. Yes, exactly. Liam walks in and he is out of his mind mad. He, he sees this? Yes. And he was like, I am leaving you. This is above and beyond. You are not to do this again. I am leaving you. He orders Barbara off the bed. And is trying to comfort her. And he's like, you know, I promise you this is never going to happen to you again. Go off to your room. You're not in any trouble. I'm so sorry. Obviously, she's Barbara's feeling very unsafe at this point in time. Well, she and was just penetrated. She was. With a fucking spoon. In her mind, her nine-year-old mind, 
She does not want anything like this to happen to Stephen. So the only logical course is to run away, right? Okay. I I, I figured it was coming. So she plans it. And the next Sunday, her and Liam, or excuse me, her and Stephen run away. She had stolen some food, several days worth of food. Long story short, they did survive on the streets for like three days. Oh, it was three days? Yeah. Hey, yep. that's better than the proverbial, I'm running away and you don't make it to the end of the tribe. Yeah, but. no, they they legitimately did. They found, they were very savvy. They were stealing some milk off from porches. <laughs> sure, they sold the, the, milk, of milk the milk man. Yeah. Yep, stole milk off of porches to survive. They, you know, had stolen like some coats and things like that for warmth. Unfortunately, though, this is at the same exact time around the same area as the Moors murders. Do you remember those episodes? I loved those episodes, but yeah. terrifying. Exactly. So the police, and she's this young girl walking around on the road. Yep. So the police see this and they're like, they're terrified. Yes. No. When they they I mean Liam and Edna Edna reported them missing. Okay. And so immediately the police are on it because of the fact that at this point in time the Moors murders are going on and they haven't captured them yet. So, <clears throat> so any hitchhikers or people walking around are a risk. Yes. Yep. The police find them just as they're trying to soak their feet into a pool to like clean them off and whatnot. They bring them back. Edna's furious. There's a lot of press around them. There's a lot of police. There's social services. They are hot news because Barbara wasn't quiet about why she ran away. Right. Oh, she disclosed. Yeah. How Why she was she assaulted. Ran away. So Edna started to get hate mail. And because of this, someone even sent her razor blades through the mail. And since the news was covering so much, the state turns out that they read the news too. Weird. And they figure out, hold on a second. She's receiving money from us, for, like welfare money for taking care of these two. But also their father is sending her money. She double dipping. <laughs> so social services investigates and Edna told them that she found disturbing images of in Barbara's bedroom of naked men. And that's why she had penetrated done, her with a spoon. Yep. Done her spoon research. So they send Stephen at this point in time, social services send Stephen to live with his father. What? I don't know. Again, this is the story is from Barbara's point of view. So she has no idea why all of a sudden Stephen's going to live. Why did they decide that he's an appropriate person to place with when he was paying these people to care for him? And if the state was going to place a child there, why wouldn't you place both children there? Correct. No. Instead, she gets sent to a children's home. And here we go. And this is where the fucking story really begins, people. So she's in this children's home, and this is where a little boy calls her a bastard, and she didn't know what a bastard was, so she asked an adult, and they were like, well, that's when you don't know, when you don't have a father. Right. And she's like, oh, well, that's weird. I have a father, but I don't have a mother, so am I a bastard? But it gets her thinking more again about her mom. And there's a reason why I'm saying all this, like, when I bring up that she's constantly thinking about her mom and wanting her mom that she doesn't know. She goes out, she runs away from this Um, home a lot she's looking like she's running away because she's looking for her mom all she knows about her mom is that her mom's a redhead a tall redhead okay that's all she knows there's no pictures there's no pictures no no so she sees a nice woman on her doorstep that's a tall redhead and I mean you know she's in England right so like there's a lot of redheads I would assume there's some tall redheads there 
this woman is like, and she said, I'm looking for my mom. And she's like, oh, honey, I'm not your mom. But she invited her in for a lovely afternoon of tea and cakes and talked with her and showed her kindness. She even gave her a kiss on the cheek, but told her, like, I have to call, you know. I have you, to call for yeah, help. You can't stay with me. I, I have to call somebody. And police officer takes her right back to the Cedars. But she remembered that woman enough to put her in her book of how kind she was that day. Now, as punishment, basically put her in solitary confinement for the night. Eventually, the headmistress, Mrs. Baker, try, is gets like really tired of her antics. This is where she gets sent to the Cedars. The first home she didn't name. Oh, okay. Yeah, she did not name the in her book. She didn't name That's the, the first, first one home. that she ran away from then to meet up with the nice tall redhead. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Which yep. makes me that where she was really called bad. where she was called a bastard. Okay. That first home, she never named it. So I they don't bring know her back. That she knows the name of it as a matter of fact. Okay. Um she gets so put in solitary there. She did. Yep. But then she tried she kept trying to run away and they got tired of it. So they called the Cedars. The Cedars the Cedars is more locked down. Okay. So she goes to the Cedars because it is a lockdown facility. It is. Yep. It's a lockdown. This is facility. where we put the runaways. Mm-hmm. And she um <laughs> she made a little friend named Denise. And she convinces Denise that they can run away. I mean, she's observed enough that she's figured out how they can run away. And so Denise is younger than her. And he, and they had given them like little teddy bears when they arrived at the Cedars. And Denise decides they they better take their bears. Sure, you need your comfort animals. Yep, yep. So here these two little girls are running from this home. And to take the, and they're running with their bears. But they're running across a sheep field. Okay. Little Denise slips and falls in sheep shit. Oh, yeah, slippery. Yep. So now they're all, now she's all dirty. And on the other side of the field, they encounter a man who they say they're, they're on their way to their nan's house. They lie. And the man's like, well, I will take you. So they get in the back of the man's That's a dad or a grandpa. Oh, shit. He picked him up. He did. And that's when Barbara sees the police scanner. A police officer had picked them up because, of course, the Cedars had reported them missing. God bless his soul. Yeah. And he takes them right back. And again, she well, she's not allowed to see Denise, but they had their own kind of solitary confinement at the Cedars. That was her punishment. But she was really sad about not being able to see Denise again. I know it probably ruins the whole story, although it would have made Barbara's life much better. But it's just too bad that they didn't have the whole least restrictive means necessary for placement yeah. then. Because no. there's literally no reason this young lady shouldn't have been placed in a home, in a foster home. Right. There, she didn't have or exhibit behaviors like other, um, you know, children who maybe were in that home were exhibiting. It's This is just a missed opportunity. And the thing is, though, I don't know at the time there's, with their social services. Did they have them? Yes. It appears more as it was just children's home. There are rampant stories of uh, children's home. I'm aware. Home. And there yeah. was stuff that happened in the U.S. with Absolutely. those as well before our foster system um, uh, evolved. Yes. Yep. So, you know, I'm, I'm not really sure. This is just literally a case of, and, and this may answer your question, but it is kind of a case of... She wasn't removed necessarily by children's services. She was just unwanted by her father. So at any given time. He could have come and got her. mm -hmm, And that's why she was in these homes. And that does come up later. Okay. I'm going to let you go. So the next day after this runaway, her first runaway attempt at the Cedars, she's evaluated with a doctor that's associated with the hospital, with the Cedars. Okay. His name is Dr. Kenneth Milner as we're very familiar with from Steven Smith's case. Son of a bitch. 
Their very first meeting, Dr. Milner picked her hands up and started to stroke them. This made her feel uncomfortable immediately. He made a really big fuss over her fingernails, saying that she must be riddled with anxiety and nerves because they were so bitten. And he kept just repeating, you poor, poor child. But the thing is, though, Megan, she didn't bite her nails. She's never bitten her nails. And this older man with a tweed jacket that had patches on his elbows kept telling her that she must have so much anxiety because she bites her nails. And she kept trying to say, no, I've never bitten my nails. But at the same token, she's a small child and you don't argue with an adult. He's a doctor. Well, talk about a a psychotherapist using his craft to do good, uh, to do evil instead of good. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's, he's manipulating the narrative already. And when she starts to argue, his voice gets more authoritative. So she knows you don't argue with him. He's telling me I bite my nails. Fine. I bite my nails. He then asks her if she would like to come into hospital. She says, I'm not sick. He insisted that she would be taken care of and that he could help her with all of her nail biting and her anxiety. And now I'm going to quote her from her book, The Hospital. Quote, although I have never been inside a hospital, I had seen them on TV and I thought they seemed like lovely places that were full of happy nurses who looked after you. If I was a patient, I would get to wear fluffy slippers and eat bunches of grapes instead of sitting in a locked remand center, end quote. She's, uh, she agrees. She is 12 years old at this time and agrees to go to a hospital. He immediately starts her on two pills three times a day. She Diagnosis nail biting? She still to this day has no idea what they really were, but he claimed that they were for the nail biting. He told her that he would have it all arranged and that she would be in the hospital in no time and that she needed to just keep taking her pills or she would be in trouble if she didn't. This is another quote from her book, The Hospital. Quote, I've been at the doctor, I've been with the doctor less than 10 minutes, but he had given me pills and I'd been admitted to the hospital even though there was absolutely nothing wrong with me. End quote. Now it took several weeks to arrange, but Barbara was taken to Aston Hall in January 1971 and she was the youngest child in that mental hospital. Too young, in fact, because there were policies in place at the time that said that you had to be 13, I believe, and over before you were placed in a mental hospital. But unfortunately, at this time, adults could get away with whatever they wanted, and she was tall for her age, and she didn't have a parent that gave a fuck. Right. So she's 12, but he can play this off. Yep. Dr. Milner was Aston Hall's chief physician from 19... 47 to 1975. And if we're in the 60s here and I'm doing my math, it sounds like we're in for a decade of well, hurt, decade of hurt here. It's, it's January 1971 that she Oh, goes, at this point. So this goes. is toward the end of his tenure. It is. Uh, just to give you some sort of solace here, he does, and we knew this from the, if you followed the Stephen I Smith did. case, uh, he died in 1976, if you remember. Okay. So he succumbs in the next few years. He does. He does. But unfortunately... It's 1971, and he's still Aston Hall's chief physician until 75. So I think he quit. Yeah, I think he quit in 1975 when he became ill and then died the next year. Two social workers brought her, and on the car ride, she recalled one saying, quote, well, here goes another one, end quote, with a heaviness in her voice. The other one went on to say that someday someone will have to answer questions that will surely be asked. When she read the sign, Aston Hall Mental Hospital, she wanted to jump out of the car because she had had no idea when she was asked by Dr. Milner if she wanted to go in hospital that that meant mental hospital. Mm. 
And this is where I'm going to end episode one. Lovely. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much. <laughs> I know. Isn't that awesome? It is. And mm. and we all know what's coming. Your listeners, your ones who listened to the, your last Aston Hall uh, episode there with Steven, it was a great one. But we, we all know what's coming. Mm-hmm. And her story deserves to be told. But now, now everything's kind of sinking in a little bit right little now. Bit. My tummy hurts. Now we know what led her to get to Aston Nothing. Hall. Nothing. Yep. She ran away. She had shitty fucking parents. She had shitty parents. She ran away. She stood up for herself. There is yep. there is literally not. You, you hear about this girl right here. And to me, I think I'd, she, I'd adopt her. I'd bring right. her to my home in a hot second. Right. There's no behavioral problems. None. No. What a perfect child. She, she just, just wants to be loved. Love. I, yeah, I love and her. And go to school. She loves school. There is absolutely nothing wrong other than she got a dealt a shitty fucking hand in life. The next episode, yes, we know from the Stephen Smith case what's coming up. Her situation, although very similar to Stephen, um, I think it's important to tell her story beyond Aston Hall as well. So we will cover that in part two, not just what her experience was with Aston Hall. But I also think it's just remarkable because for so many years, these survivors were not believed. But when you hear the similarities between Stephen's case and his memories of his time in Aston Hall and Barbara's, there's no mistaking that this is absolutely what the fuck happened. And so I think that it's just important that we that it be told and covered for anyone because these survivors were un, were not believed for upwards of 50 some years, Megan. Could yeah, you imagine great. suffering abuse and not being believed for 50 years? Y- yes. We see it, man. I do have for us 20 crazy funny police reports. Oh, give it to me. Some of them are like super short. They're just like snippets from um what are those things called, Megan, where a police officer just gives like there's a whole report that like dispatch puts out about what they were responded to for the oh, day. Oh yeah, so it's the summary. The, the, yes, the, just they the, call yes. it the summary report, and just it's to usually let the like public know five, or ten sentences. Yeah, exactly. That's what a lot of these are. Okay, which makes it even more funny. Does that mean like, that I get to share my favorite one from actually working with police officers yeah. and police reports at the end of this? Please do. You're gonna love it. Please do. So this one is this one is baby or burrito, <laughs> and it says from Mountain View, Walmart. Police receive a report of a newborn infant found in a trash can. Upon investigation, officers discovered it was only a burrito. (laughs) And that's all it says. Where did they order that burrito from? I want one. Seriously, you got a five pound burrito? Hell yeah. Yeah. Okay. This one says 5 p.m. Police were called to Market Square for a report about a suspicious coin. Investigator, uh, investigating officer reported it was a quarter. (laughs) <laughs> it was a quarter. <laughs> Why did you call the police over a quarter? A suspicious coin. They believed it to be a counterfeit. They've never seen a quad Is it before. going to explode? <laughs> I don't what? know. Why did we call? This one I really like, though, because it could happen in my house. Police solve case of the missing bacon. A Grand Rapids resident, <gasps> that's in Michigan, people. It is. Told police last week that someone entered his home during the night and took five pounds of bacon from the refrigerator. Upon further investigation, police discovered his wife had gotten up for a late night snack, but was afraid to admit that she'd ate all the bacon. Oh, girlfriend, I know. I'm there with you. Five pounds of bacon? I know that sounds like a lot, but have you ever cooked up a pound yeah, of bacon? Yeah, it cooks right It does down. not go very far. No, and a BLT, for example, I'm going to pile the bacon on. Yes. And also, don't judge your wife. Why did she feel like she had to lie? I know. Bacon is Be- low carb. She was obviously Atkinsine's and needed. Because it was five pounds and it sounds gluttonous, did I she, think did, it's did probably she all, Did she eat all five pounds? Yes, because he called the police to say that someone stole five pounds of bacon from their house. 
I mean, I'm not judging her. I love Me her already. Me neither. But also, we have a local deli that I swear puts five pounds of bacon on their yeah, they're BLTs. De- they're delicious. They're fantastic. But would you call the cops if five pounds of bacon came up missing in your house? No. Never. And nothing else? A lot of my friends are cop friends, though, so I understand that they have more important things to investigate it, than five pounds of bacon leaving my house. It might be that. House. And if someone did decide, stupidly, by the way, to break into my house, and all that was missing is bacon out of my fridge, I'm just going to let them. Good game. Uh, yeah. I mean, enjoy. I hope you enjoyed it. Yeah. And that your cholesterol levels are in check. Because no, that, that is, I do that not hope that bad. they are. If you steal my bacon, I hope your cholesterol is through the fucking roof, man. <laughs> Fuck off. You deserve that was it. my bacon. You deserve it. I hope you're on meds for all that bacon. <laughs> With that said, don't, don't break into my house to steal bacon because my heart's heart, my husband's heart condition, we don't eat bacon. Oh. If I want bacon, I have to order it out. Like in a restaurant. So you don't have it here so no. that he isn't tempted. Yep, because he loves bacon. Yeah, you can turkey bacon this. We Yeah, it's not the same for him. Oh, you're, I, so first of all, I'm right there with you. Yeah, oh, yeah, that. I'll take your fake poultry bacon. Yeah. Put yeah. it on my plate and I'll pretend to be happy. I will feed it to the dogs. Yeah, Thank it's like you. faking an orgasm. Yeah. Mm, turkey it's bacon. Great. That, that was the most satisfying bacon I've ever had. Was it good for you, baby? Uh-huh. Yeah. 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 Turkey bacon. <laughs> That's just going to be the code word now. Turkey bacon. For faking an orgasm. Well, How I was your t- night last night? I had to turkey bacon, but it's fine. Right. I mean, <laughs> five pounds of turkey, turkey bacon, bacon last night. <laughs> That was, that was my weekend a couple weekends ago. <laughs> That's hilarious. Oh my God. Yeah. Now we have a code word. There you go. All right. The next one said a caller reported at 7 14 PM that someone was on a porch yelling help from a residence on Baker bank street. Officers responded and learned that the person was calling a cat that was named help. 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 I need help. Somebody. Come here. Yeah. Help. What a, Awful and amazing name yes, for a pet. All at the same time. Mm-hmm. I oh. feel like they did that on purpose. Well, whoever, the, they're kind of crazy and a little bit funny. This one is also about a cat, but there's questions. There's more questions <laughs> than answers. Okay. A Lamphere court woman said that her son was attacked by a cat and the cat would not allow her to take her son to the hospital. Oh. That's in the police report. That was 8.28 a.m. Okay, so do you don't have a cat. No. I do. And so, see right here? And maybe a little bit right there. Cats are, are cats are evil. Are those scars They're, from, the, well, bite? What is it? Scratches? She, yeah, she scratched me the other night. Oh, I can't. I really can't see them. But. I cu- I'm wearing makeup. But they're, I mean, I, I can probably find, I took an injury picture to document so that if and when my cat holds me hostage, the police will believe me. <laughs> Okay. Well, very divine that I'm covering yeah, this now. I'm, so I'm this here is, with her. This is possible. My cat would not let me here, take my son like, to the hospital. Are you kidding me? It's a fucking cat. But I mean, once you show me your have face you seen wounds, a cat stand like in hissing form, yes. like by a door, it is and terrifying. and they actually run at you and attack, and they get your legs and your face. seriously. It when doesn't pussies happen very attack. Often. When pussy attacks, these are always usually your unsafe. My my cat's not fixed yet. I'm lazy. I need to get the oh, cat fixed. That, yeah. And they become violent when they're menstrual, like some women I hear. Yeah, I've heard it can happen. I'm a delight. I have never left scratch marks, but I have hissed by a door before. (laughs) It happens. That's fair. When you put it like that, I understand. Can we just skip over this story now? Because I just feel like I'm identifying with (laughs) with this woman. It was entered by Megan. Did that say Lamphere Court? Are it we did. on Lamphere now? I mean, isn't right. that near here? Right. It is. It is. We had a friend. We have Jason used to live on Lamphere Court. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Okay, so 
The next one said a man reported that a squirrel was riding. Oh my God, this one. Sorry. Are you cold reading? I am, but I read ahead quickly and I'm dying. I love your reactions. A man reported that a squirrel was running in circles on Davis Drive and was not sure if it was sick or if it had been hit by a car. So an officer responded and as he drove on the street, he ran over the squirrel. <laughs> That's what the police report is. Took care of that. The community is safe again. I'm so I don't know if he I'm ran so over it on purpose or was like, oh, fuck, was that the squirrel? I'm so sorry, PETA. When <laughs> this happened, like, <laughs> he had to have felt, I'm crying. I had to have felt bad if he put it in an incident report. Right. And it's not like he wrote. I responded to <laughs> Davis Drive. Case closed. <laughs> Officer responded, and as he drove on the street, he ran over the squirrel. Oh, oh shit! God. It upsets me when that happens to me. You, you oh, run it over and right. Yes, yes. Here the I sound am driving. Awful. You know you're not supposed to swerve, nope. and it runs. And the whole yeah. time I'm yelling, "You can do it, buddy! Run fast!" And then you feel the crunch. Yeah. And in the back, Anne Marie, my youngest, will go, "Um, mom, nope, nope. It must have been a branch. branch it was a branch, baby girl. That was just a branch. Don't even worry about that." Yes, every time. Tears are streaming and down my face. I'm like, you made choices. You made choices. I had no choice. I, know. I can't swerve. And not to just, but that's that I, suicide. It squirrel is. Aside. Squirrel, it is squirrel, squirrel aside. Squirrel aside. Yeah, so, I mean, the officer, you know, he's, he did his due diligence. I don't think he meant to. First of all, he responded to a squirrel incident, so it, I like him can already. Can we just say that your husband is a police officer? Can we just let people know that? I mean, you, that? Just, you just did, so. And so, I can delete it, though, if you don't want no, people to know that. No, that's fine. But I'm picturing your lovely husband. He would do that. Responding, absolutely, to a squirrel, just to see what it's about. But he's also a hunter and stuff, and so I don't <laughs> right. feel like he's the guy who's going to have that much remorse. He's going to be like, oh, I uh, ran over, I ran the, over squirrel. the squirrel, and uh, Problem sorry solved. about that. I'm going to put it in my report because yeah. I did respond to this call. Yeah. So the next one says police were informed February 25th by a resident of the thousand block of R- uh, Raritan, excuse me, drive, that a family in the area is taking over the minds of local dogs. <laughs> cold reading people and turning them against their owners police were advised by that person that the only way to protect a dog is to install an anti-force field on its head before letting the animal go outside i feel like like, a helmet i feel like this would be like your husband to be like okay how are we going to problem solve this call i know your dog can wear a helmet put a helmet on your dog and then they can no longer control your mind okay okay we're done here i don't feel like the dog's the one that needs the helmet no no so this is a person who's suffering from a major like mental illness and has perhaps had a breakdown yes and called the police to let them know yeah in uncertain terms that they're having a mental breakdown problem solving wise i think this is one you might perhaps make the suggestion that you you know, let's go talk to somebody Could at the we hospital refer about out? that. We call that a referral out. Yeah. In my line of work. You know, or you just roll with it because when you are talking to somebody who's truly going through a psychosis, one of the best things you can do is to not tell them it's not real what's happening. Absolutely. But to have a nice conversation. So you say, so listen, I'm going to chat with your dogs. Okay. We're going to have a conversation. And if I promise to talk to your dogs about what's going on, will you come with me and talk to somebody about this? Yeah. Yeah. There's a way to do this gently. Funny that you say that. We had a listener write us. She is an EMT. 
I always love her stories. And I don't, I cannot remember if I've shared this one yet or if I still have it on my list to God share. God bless our field workers. But I want to share it again just in case I've already shared it. But she talked about how she responded to a man who thought that there was, I believe it was a tiny man was trapped in her um, garbage, in, in the garbage disposal and needed help. I think you have, if you haven't told me this, I have heard this from I, somewhere. Well, I think I covered it. I do think that I, that I covered it. But what they did in that moment was they did pretend to help the man in the garbage disposal. Yeah. And they discovered that this person, there was marijuana everywhere in this backyard. Like this person was higher than a kite. Yeah. The ganja is not like the Elvis 60s ganja as we no. were talking about in the case yes. earlier. This stuff has hallucinogenic properties yep. and the little man just came right out. Needed help in that garbage disposal I think it was a man I believe it was a man and that was yeah that it's needed help kind, in the, and so they they pretended to to do CPR if I remember right oh, on shit. this it went that far yeah to help them and then you know get them off their high and help them themselves this is an so, EMT story like she actually sent you this yeah yeah she sends me God sub, bless you, I woman. love them I love them I That's love her great. EMT stories I know you're out there listening. Send me more. <laughs> so, and I, I just didn't want to use her name just in case. She I didn't couldn't. want you yeah, to. Sure. Yeah, I'm always very weary about that. But all right. The next one says a 38-year-old Cole Avenue man reported that his home was invaded on September 9th. The man said that he was sitting home alone, masturbating and watching a pornography movie, as you do. When a man <laughs> came down into the basement holding a gun and started to videotape him. The man said that before he left, the intruder fed his dog some mushrooms, and the dog died. Who ate the mushrooms, gentlemen? Thank you, sir. That's what I've. Uh, and in what order? And also, did you have a dog? Because I'm even wondering. I'm questioning whether or not you had a dog. I think that if you're alone in your basement masturbating, it is rude to have your dog present. I think that Peta would agree. I don't. I don't like it. Nope. And they don't are innocent. They that. are innocent souls. And they don't need to see you doing the naughty. Mm -mm. It's just not nice. Honestly, nobody wants to unless they specifically ask for that. Well, first of all, that's why there's OnlyFans. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> right? Yes. And OnlyFans, if you're listening, we take sponsorships. We do. <laughs> I would love, love to do an ad for OnlyFans. Because one of our biggest things here is we don't stink kinks. No. I and I call super, that kink shaming. Yeah. I don't kink shame. You don't. Right. I would love to do OnlyFans. If you're listening, reach out. CrimeCuriousYahoo.com. Well, I I'd did love hear. To do an advertisement. I heard it. a vicious rumor that OnlyFans was not originally intended to be pornographic. Mm -hmm. And there are actually people on there that share things of value. Like Their artwork. talents, mm -hmm. arts, baking, whatever. Yep. I think it's our next breakthrough. <laughs> I'm, and do you know You're how excited right. people would hear when we said, hey, so Charnel and I are going to do an OnlyFans. That's true. One, most people's minds are immediately going to jump to the podcast. Nope. So we're going to we get, get instant followers. viewers. <laughs> right. Charnel, I have, a new, I have a new outfit to wear. I mean. <laughs> to our OnlyFans. They don't need to know that it's a Crime Curious t-shirt. They don't. No, no. And that we have headphones on and microphones. They are very close to our face, though. They are. I mean, yeah. this is very phallic what happens when, here with this microphone. It's true. And you never know. Some people might think that's sexy. I mean, I think we look great. I right think now. there's a whole fan base for there it. There is. There is. A deputy, this would annoy your husband. A deputy responded to a vehicle of, of, or excuse me, to a report of a vehicle stopping at mailboxes. 
It was definitely the mailman. <laughs> they did discover that. But I wonder if they were in like their regular vehicle instead of the USPS vehicle. Maybe. You're supposed to put a light on or it says. Uh, we that have people true. drive their own vehicles mm-hmm. here because we we're rural. Yep. And it does say like mail carrier or there's a little light on the top. Yep. That's true. So what someone's if, getting in my mailbox. Did mail they forget bag. their light that day? And yeah. we're just delivering the mail. They might have. I, You're supposed I to be wonder. nice to your mail carriers and like leave them little gifts in there at Christmas time. You're not supposed to call the cops. Right. How uh, dare you bring me my I, mail? There's bills in there, you bitch. Take it back. You're, right. This is assault. <laughs> By the electric unwanted. company. It was unwanted. I do know that lately with the air conditioning bill, I have felt assaulted by my my electric company. So It is almost fall in Michigan. It. You will not have to worry about that much longer other than for heat. Really? Yeah. No, I, I didn't know that. No. Yes, you do. Where I was going with this is you're not going to need your air conditioner, love. Oh. In but Mich- you're pretty, so it's okay. <laughs> I heard what you said differently. <laughs> it's okay. Sometimes I say things and they're confusing to other people. <laughs> like, I me. once told somebody to report to jail by 5 o'clock, and he came there three months later when he turned himself <laughs> in on his bench warrant. So this happens to me all the time. I, I'm i not sure what part wasn't clear, both for him and for me, but I okay. a- apologized. You're right. I won't have to worry about it. But I'm still I have, have a low voice, bill. and I think sometimes I speak in dog tones, and I don't like... Wait, dog tones that are would high. Be high. Well, see, I, I just said the, something stupid now, too. I have the high... Oh, we're equal. Many years ago, when I was... A, I'm, can I give my story? Yes. Yep. Many years ago, when I was a prosecutor, I had a police officer who was much newer to the force. He was brand new. You call him a rookie, right? And he was really thorough with his police reports because you are taught to make sure that you make a complete and accurate record. Of course. And I'm reading this thing. And it's not funny because it is resisting and obstructing a police officer, which is a two-year felony here in the state of Michigan. And I will protect all names. But as I'm reading through this, I'm, so I'm getting ready for what's called a pretrial conference. And this is where you meet with the defense attorney uh, to see if there's any type of resolution to the case. Is there a plea offer? Are we going to trial? And the defense attorney says, did you read the whole police report? And I'll be honest with you, on some of those, you read the interim report, right? right or right. the summary mm-hmm. to get the gist. And I'm like, yeah, I read it. And he goes, what about page four? And I'm like, okay, hold on a second. I guess I didn't read it that in depth. So I start reading this thing and I'm dying. So I read through there and the police officer at one point in time is being screamed at and and assaulted in this person's house who he is trying to arrest for validly, by the way, at least in my opinion at the time. And as he's arresting this guy, the guy is yelling to him, I don't know who the fuck you think you are. And he very honestly says, I'm deputy whoever. That's who the fuck I am. And the defense attorney says, I have just read the report from the most honest police officer ever. I really don't know. I just will just plead, I guess. So I'm like, yeah, the, every once in a while you get those reports where they're just so accurate and so honest that it makes you cringe because all I'm thinking is, oh my God, is a jury going to love or hate this guy? Right. But the defense attorney's like, this is the most honest police officer ever. I have nothing bad to say. I think we'll just plead. I mean, that is who I think I, I am a police officer that you're yes, assaulting right now. I am right deputy now. so-and-so. That is who you're fucking talking and, to. Right. And I, 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 it went on. You. It went on. He said, now get the fuck on the ground and put your arms above your head. And I mean, he was, but he... Uh, verbatim, everything he said with all of the expletives, as I'm stating. Yeah. Um, and that was the most honest police report he said he ever read. I I believe that. 
I like 100%. it. A hundred percent. I appreciate how honest he was. But also he was being assaulted. And he was. not there no cooperation from the person who no, rightfully no, so. No, I'm sure he was arrested. nervous and nervous and scared and needed to do something, but he felt honesty was the best policy uh, yeah. and that's all we can ask yep, for. Yep, that's right. And I need to document it. Thank you guys for listening. If you're a Patreon, hop on over immediately to part two because you get that right away as a perk. If you're not a Patreon but you want to join, feel free to go to p- patreon.com forward slash crime curious or click on the link that is in the show notes. If you have case suggestions, send them to crimecurious at yahoo.com. And if you'd like to, follow me on all social media platforms. Uh, recently, I posted a meme that lit the world on fire. <laughs> The condom one. Oh yes, it was fantastic. That <laughs> was probably my favorite thus far. I mean, it was yeah. missing a little bit biologically, but still, it was it a was. funny. It was a yes. funny meme. Yes, it really was. All right. So until next time, everyone. Bye bye.